0: Um This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. Hey guys, John Barchard here. You guys know how much I love to play fantasy football. So I need you to listen up because I want you to join the highest rated fantasy football app. It's called Draft. You get to play in a real live snake draft but be done in under five minutes. And they last just for one week. Drafts start every couple of minutes so you can join right now for week 13. And the best part is you get to play for cold, hard cash. And get this. Your chances of winning are 80% better than on the salary cap sites, on all the DFS sites. Because you're always trying to figure out, okay, we should start this guy, do the value, and I don't have enough money to do all that stuff. It doesn't happen on draft. You get a selection of every premium player. You just got to be the smartest one in the room. It's a six-player snake draft, so you get in, you get out. Tournaments start from $1 to $1,000 to everything in between. Three-person drafts, six-person drafts, on and on. The options are limitless. And all new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. All you have to use is promo code BGNR. That's right, play a real money game for free just by using promo code BGNR. And it gets even better. Draft is so sure that you'll love it that they are offering BGN Radio List a money-back guarantee up to $100. No excuses now. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play for free right now with promo code BGNR. BGNR.
1: Welcome to the 16th episode of the Counterpoint Podcast, brought to you by BGN Radio and BGNRadio.com. I'm your host, Jack Fritz. As always, guys, the Eagles survived another trap game this weekend. Crazy. I thought it was supposed to be another trap game with this with this Bears team coming in here. They're super frisky and, and whatever. Uh, I guess that wasn't the case at all because the Bears got absolutely throttled. Negative six yards rushing. The Eagles defense has allowed one touchdown in the month of November. And it was in garbage time against the Broncos. Now, with all that being said, I'm going to pull objective Lambo here. And they've been playing some bad quarterbacks. But still, one touchdown in a month and the only time it came was in garbage time? So that's some good stuff right there. And, And once again, we can trust this Eagles team. I mean... I think Eagles teams of past maybe have a slip-up game here and there, but this team has just not shown it, and it's because of that defensive line, and it's because of that quarterback, and man, was that quarterback special on Sunday. Now, he did miss some deep throws, but he also does, he did, he did Carson Wentz stuff that only he can do, like that spin, and he is just... The Wentz swagger is on another level, and on a level I never thought I'd see from him because uh, he just, he, like I said last week, he seemed like a goober. But he's, like, throwing fist pumps on first downs. He's, like, swagging in the end zone with the celebrations. The Eagles are swagging all over NFL teams. They, 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 they punch you in the mouth. They play rough, tough football. They get in the end zone, and then they dunk on you. They're dunking on everyone. It's awesome. It's great. And if I was going against the Eagles, sure, I'd be a little upset. But guess what? If you want them to stop doing it, then you got to stop them. And right now, you can't stop this team. You cannot stop this team. They're, they are the best team in the NFL. I think the Patriots are coming. I think the Steelers have did you, did you watch that game on Sunday? It's like, watching the, watching the... like I watch the Eagles, and I'm just like, wow, this is football nirvana. And then I watch the rest of the NFL, and it's like, man, this league is shit like oh my god have you watched some of these teams like the eagles like watching the eagles is is football nirvana and then watching the other these other teams is looks like college football just absolute amateur hour and i laid it out pretty simply here i'm gonna relate this to the tv terms watching the eagles and then watching the rest of the nfl is like watching the first five seasons of how i met your mother is the eagles and then the final four seasons is the rest of the nfl Like going from watching the final four seasons of Parks and Rec to watching the first season. Watching Wall Street 1, and then watching Wall Street 2. Watching Dumb and Dumber, and then watching Dumb and dumber and And it's like going from watching Caddyshack to watching Caddyshack 2. Now, is that bold? Sure, it's bold. Sure, it's me being a little bit cocky and feeling myself with this Eagles team. But that's how I feel like... You watch the Eagles, you watch these teams they play against, the Broncos are supposed to have the best defense in the NFL, which I didn't agree with at the time, and the Eagles hung 51 points on them. The Bears beat the Steelers earlier this season, and it had looked a little frisky at some points. It wasn't even a contest. The Eagles, from the Panthers game on, haven't even had contests they're not they're blowing the doors off these teams I don't know how to- I don't know how to handle it like what if right now we're watching one of the best teams ever assembled what how can we like what if we are I'm not saying they they are but how do we know we're not this team could be that good they are blowing teams out they're blowing teams out and the final thing I want to say about that game actually it's not the final thing that's a, that's a complete lie on my part <laughs> I want to say that that Barner play where he pulled out Jalen Watkins from the ball coming towards him was so 17 Eagles, so 2017 Eagles. The, if he hits that ball, a penalty, but they're, they're they're so situationally aware of everything that's going on, and it's something I never thought I'd see under Doug Peterson. I remember in week two when they played the Chiefs, they tried to do a simple uh, chain formation at the line and, and have all these moving parts, and they called for a, a penalty. And it was at that point I was like, I don't know, man. They seem pretty unorganized all the time when they try to do try to do interesting things. But I feel like ever since that game, it's just like they're they're so cognizant of everything that's going on. It reminds me so much of how the Patriots do things. I, I legit think this team might be developing into Patriots South. And that sounds like a hot take, but they have the quarterback. They might have a really talented offensive coach. They certainly have the defensive coach. And they 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 are fully bought into the team mindset. And that barner play I think summed up a lot of things about this Eagles team. He pulled a guy out of the way cuz he knew the situation. They knew they just they know how important everything is. And that's why we have to trust them in every situation. Going forward and into the playoffs Now Trust tree time Like I'm fully in on a Super Bowl talk But like, st- like Still even the word Super Bowl Like gives me the heebie jeebies I don't know how to I don't know how to process watching A Super Bowl caliber team Like I remember 0-4 I remember 0-4 they were dominant And they felt like the second best team Or third best team in football But I was also in fourth grade This is different. I've seen a lot of Eagles football since then. And this is the first time it's like this team's legit. Like, sure, we had the Mike Vick MVP year. We had 27-2. and We had Chip. But this is different. And I don't fully know how to process it. And, like, I'm fully outwardly confident in this team. Like, on the outside, everything's fine. On the inside, sort of (laughs) dying. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Because like, I love the Super Bowl talk. I think they're a legit Super Bowl contender. It's just like, still, when I hear the word Super Bowl, I definitely get a little bit concerned. But let's check in on the Doug Peterson confidence meter. I was about to dock Doug big time for this post-game speech.
0: Hey, nothing's ever easy. Nothing is ever easy in this business, and I, and I, I, I know this from being around this game. You get everything you deserve and you get everything that you put into is what you're gonna get out. And right now you're standing here 10 and one, man. 10 and 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 one. Hey, coaches and players, right? Coaches and players, that's a heck of a job. You take whatever circumstance you have that week and you just put it aside and you go dominate. That's what great teams do, okay? Great teams do that and they dominate their opponent. Talked about it last night. This season's a marathon. You don't get medals for win- for going 18 miles or 19 miles. You get medals for finishing the race. You Guys are doing a great job, man. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. All right. Again, 10-1, man. Best, Best thing about this team, man. Everybody's contributing. I'm saying, as we go back and evaluate yourself, man. Think about what you bring to the table, man. Bring it every week. These next three weeks, man. This is our season. We got to get it. Turn it up another notch. These next three weeks, man. Get your mind right. We're gonna be on the road we really going to show this league what we're about now. We ain't even done. Ain't even close to being finished now. Yeah. Family on three. One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm cool. I, like, I just didn't love that Doug speech. And here's why I didn't love that Doug speech is because I feel as if Doug only had nine speeches ready to go before the season. That seemed like it was a speech he he wasn't quite ready to to dish out yet. It, it, it dropped from a 90% to an 87%. I needed big balls Doug to come in there after a big... 31 to 3 blowout and come out big dick swinging and he didn't do that he seemed a little bit unsure of what he wanted to say and i didn't like that one bit it felt as if he only had nine of those speeches ready to go his preseason pr- prediction might have been nine and seven and it came out with the same like you know so proud of you and hey wins are easy wins aren't easy in the nfl well you know You're the best team in football and you just play the Bears at home. Like, it should be a semi-easy win if you don't come out and and, and choke on yourself, basically. Like, I don't know. So I I, I docked Doug a few points, but he totally won me back with this. Uh,
0: Jeffrey said at the beginning of the year that a a young quarterback, when he starts his first year, he learns what he learns. His second year, he makes a, a few more steps. But his third year and fourth year is when he kind of explodes. Have we seen maybe a premature explosion, or is there still an explosion? Um. <coughs> 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 a refrain? Uh, <coughs> All right, uh, let's regroup here. Let's regroup. Um, <coughs> All right, press down. wasn't me,
1: Doug. It wasn't me. I, I know, I know. Um, <coughs> Ooh, boy. All right. Um. It's my boy. It's my boy, Doug. Brought you all the way back up to a 90% just on that alone. The fact that you were able to laugh at that, yeah, it's great. It's great. Totally redeemed himself from that poor post-game speech. It's one of the guys. Doug is just one of the guys. How could, how can could you not love that from Dougie P? Doug just gets it. Like he, Could you just imagine Jason Garrett trying to handle that situation? I think he'd just start clapping. And speaking of the clapper, how has it been 10 minutes into this show, and I haven't mentioned Thanksgiving yet? Because, holy shit, is it all falling apart down there in Dallas. They had a bench Dak hashtag going after the game. Dak is trash. I was watching the game at Jill's cousin's house, and you know I was just sitting there pretty quietly. I didn't really have much to say. I wish there was more beer there. There wasn't enough beer. I, I, I had two beers. I wish there was more beer. So I was a little bit down because of that. But I'm watching the game, and, you know, it's going pretty well. And then Dak throws those picks. And I stand up, arms raised to the sky, saying he's trash in front of Jill's whole family. And no one really got it, but I didn't care. I didn't care if I made a fool of myself because it just makes me so happy. And, of course, Kian was like, Fucking, I, I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. But he makes you do it every time. Kean after the game, is like, well, you know, some people were too high on, on Dak's rookie year. You were too high on his rookie year, douchebag. Like, you were the guy that, was, you were the guy that compared him to Peyton Manning at, earlier this season. It wasn't even his rookie season. It wasn't his rookie season that you were comparing to Peyton Manning. It was earlier this season. It, he's a product of... Of Zeke, and that's it. He cannot lead an offense by himself. And Adam Herman said, "Adam Adam Herman said it best." Dak Prescott is struggling because he lost the best player on his offense. Carson Wentz, even though he lost Jason Peters and lost other key members, he is the offense. That's why he's not struggling. It's like, man, I was so happy. It made the rest of my thing. Like I was just walking around with a smile, and people were very confused. But, you know, it's fine. I didn't care. I didn't care if I a fool of myself. Dak Prescott is trash. And the Clapper, like, is, how does Jerry Jones keep trotting that guy out there? I don't get it. I don't get it. He, does he need a yes man all the time? Because that's what it seems like. And also, seeing Sean Lee Sean Lee on the on the sidelines was, was just comical to me. Uh, I look forward to the Sean Lee injury every year and seeing it on thanksgiving made my thanksgiving better. He's just like he is a very very ugly person. Like he's just not a, not an attractive male at all. He's got a long face. He seems like a guy that would would be really really sad on a on a rainy day. Sean Lee and seeing him mope there on the sideline as his team gets torched again by Philip Rivers. I think he was like 27 of 33. It was something absurd. But watching the Cowboys lose on Thanksgiving is a tradition unlike any other. They are a trash dumpster fire. Like the lowest of low-key dumpster fires since 95. You can take those two those two playoff wins. You can take the one Tony Romo playoff win. You can take your 13-3 record last year to only to lose at home in round one and shove it. Because the Eagles are here. The Eagles are here. They have a quarterback that doesn't rely on having the absolute perfect situation. He, instead of of, of complaining about that, makes his teammates better. The Eagles are getting to a point where they're going to be bringing in other teams' talent that they couldn't control, and they're going to be coming into this culture and turning and resurrecting their career. That's how I feel about Jay Ajayi. I don't think Ajayi's comments after the game were like, I need to get the ball more. I think he was pissed off about fumbling, which is great but I think that he's in a winning culture now and that's kind of changed everything. And I think the Eagles are going to be the next team that takes your talent and then shoves it back in your face. That's how I feel. I'm just going to mention this for, like, you know, we're going to talk about Elliot Shore Parks for, like, a minute. I think I saved Elliot Shore Parks' career and I think he's, like, mad at me. He's definitely mad at me. and I'll tell you why he's mad at me. He's mad at me because of this podcast I did, like, a month ago or a month and a half ago where I completely eviscerated him and Matt Lombardo. Now, since that podcast, Elliot has been great. He's had really good takes. He's been smart. He hasn't been clickbaity. And I think I am to thank for that. And what do I get as a thank as a thank you, Jack? I get cropped out of a photo with Bartered and Seltzer. We're all doing our nice little pregame show. We're all we're all talking. There's already a picture of all three of us. And Elliot goes in there and he crops out me and puts Barcher and Seltzer next to each other and says, Pod Swag. While well, I'm sitting right there. I mean, come on, Elliot. You're doing good. You've been doing better. You've been having smart takes. And I think that's a complete testament to me. And this is, this is the thank you I get. Now, Matt Lombard, on the other hand, he thinks, he keeps saying that I just started watching football when I was 12. Which is a really weird insult, but, I mean, no, no, no it wasn't, it wasn't since I was it was since 2012. It's like four years ago, which is weird, it's a weird insult, but, whatever, what can you do? I guess I, uh, it's warranted, mostly. We need to talk about Chip Kelly, because when Chip Kelly signed with UCLA, I saw way too many Eagles fans. They were like, "Oh man, that's gonna be so great for Chip. What? What are, why, what? Why the fuck are we happy for Chip? We should never be happy for Chip. Chip literally destroyed this franchise. He destroyed a locker room. He destroyed a relationship with the owner. He destroyed a relationship with Howie. He traded away LaShawn McCoy and Deshaun Jackson for nothing. Evan Mathis. Like, sure, it all worked out now, but that's only because of how great Howie Roseman is at his job and the fact that he went and got Carson Wentz. But, like, we... It was a mere two years ago, Chip Kelly was the devil. He was viewed once as the... Actually, no, Chip Kelly was the Antichrist, legit. He was supposed to be the guy that came in and saved everything, and in, in turn, he actually ruined everything. In a way, Doug Peterson is exactly what we, what we wanted Chip to be, which is a strange, ironic thing, which is fine. But, but, but listen to this asshole in his introductory press conference. Like, talk about a guy that just doesn't... <laughs> nah, just listen. I believe football is about three things. I think it's about relationships, friendships, and championships. And, and when oh, your team time. trusts each other and they can go out there and lay it on the line for each other because they know everybody to the right of them or to the left of them, that leads to championships. And that's what this place is all about. Uh, you don't know anything about championships, Chip. Let's start there. Uh, you don't know anything about relationships. And relationships and friendships... It's the same fucking thing, and you had players quit on you. You know nothing about building a culture. You talked about culture versus scheme, and guess what? You didn't do anything about it. You preached this thing that you didn't really believe. Relationships, friendships, and... equals. uh, You're basically trying to make it relationships, friendships, equals championships. Relationships and friendships are the same thing. So what are you even talking about? You think you're so much smarter than everyone else. I hate you. You are... Ruined everything here, and only because Howie is as good at his job as he is were we able to save this franchise from disparity because of you. So, no, I am not cheering for Chip Kelly. Do I think he'll have a fun offense? Sure, but no, I don't give a shit what Chip Kelly's going to do in UCLA, and I hope he falls on his face. Moving on to the mailbag. I said mailbag like really aggressively there, and I'm sorry. It's just that Chip does that to me. Really, really pisses me off. <laughs> we had some pretty good mailbag questions this week. I will, I will say that. You know, there's some like actually football uh podcast uh, questions, which is good. I mean, I don't want you guys thinking like I'm a, like an idiot football wise. Yeah, I think I know football pretty well. I mean, I just started watching in 2012, according to someone. So, what can you say? But let me start this off with a, a message from from William William Hackenbrack. I think that's right. Jack, great podcast. Love the interview with Joey D. Thank you. But he's the preeminent Cowboys fan hater, not the preemptive. All right, listen. Uh, He said, I married a woman who would care less about sports and TV. It's the right move. Good on you. Good in you. That's weird, though. Um, Listen, I'm not a big, you know, not a big, big vocab guy. This is the trust tree. I thought you trusted that you knew what I was talking about, Bill. Come on, Bill. Help a brother out. I'm not saying I'm that I had the smartest brain ever. But I thought it sounded pretty smart out of my head. And then I listened back and I was like, that was probably wrong. But like, come on, Bill. Don't be calling me out. I'm just kidding. You can call me out. I don't really care. All right. This is from uh, Jack Cole, a fellow Jack. Uh, Hi, Jack. I enjoy listening to your show and look forward to to it every week. Well, thank you. I have a super funny take from last summer from Dak. Pick Scott. I see what you did there. We're the Cowboys. We're going to win the NFC East. <laughs> Prescott said. Also as Carson Wentz the true ginger prince I saw that he looks exactly like Prince Harry until next time. Yeah, so Dak that take didn't age well. And that's the classic he 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 was he was pandering straight into Cowboys Nation like oh, we're the Cowboys, we're the best team in the league. Like duh, we're going to the NFC East even though there hasn't been a repeat NFC East champion, champion since 2003 and even though you've won two playoff games since since 1995 I'm going to keep bringing that up. Uh, good take, Dak. Not, and you're playing the worst football of your career and you don't know how to fix it, which is even more hilarious. Look at da- look at Dak Prescott's uh, quotes after the Thanksgiving game. It's just the funniest thing ever. He's crumbling. He's absolutely crumbling. And yes, Carson Wentz is the true ginger uh, uh, prince and that, that fraud Prince Harry. Uh, I'll do very, very, very good work by the Eagles' Twitter account uh, putting that picture up yesterday, though. Very, very good work. But, yeah, like there's only one ginger Jesus, and that's Carson Wentz. All right. uh, from Tom O'Neill. Now, this is like a really deep question. So, I mean, you know, you're going to have to bear, bear with me on this one. Uh, with Carson Wentz coming from a 1AA school in 2016 to being the frontrunner for MVP in 2017, do you think that high school players, especially at the QB position, get way too caught up in playing at a big school, is going to a smaller school, school – or Juco and starting for three or four years more beneficial to a QB than riding the pine and maybe getting a chance to start for one year at a school like Auburn, Ohio State, Clemson. Take Tommy Stevens, for example. I don't know if that's a real guy. I'm just going to trust Tommy here that Tommy Stevens is a real guy. Um, I know you're going to be pissed because I, that I picked the Nittany Line. You are correct. I don't care about the Nittany lines and I like seeing their downfall every year, but... Uh, Right now, he is obviously not an NFL talent, but what if he had gone to a school like Villanova or Delaware and started for two years? He potentially would have developed into a much better talent, and there are hundreds of players in the same position as Tommy. So Carson's a bit different, and he's a bit different because he's from North Dakota. He knew one way. He knew one school that won all the time, and that's North Dakota State. And also, he was a wide receiver up until his senior year, and he was hurt his junior year, so he never played quarterback until his senior year, so he really didn't have a choice but to go to Auburn, to, to go to a big school, so he had to choose uh, North Dakota State, um, but even like Carson's senior year, he could have started anywhere in the country. I am a firm believer in going to a place to get reps and get as much talent, get as much, and, and, and then let the NFL come find you, because eventually, they're not going to let a stone go unturned. They will go anywhere to find NFL talent, I mean Carson Wentz went from being a third round pick to the number 2 overall pick in the draft and now like it it, it the, the talent is found like these 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 NFL teams are relentless. So yeah, if I was a big time recruit, I would maybe try the big school for a little bit and then if it wasn't working out there and there was no clear path to me starting, I would go somewhere else. I mean look at Joe Flacco. I mean Joe Flacco was at Pitt and then he went to Delaware and then he got drafted, you know? I mean it it happens all the time. You don't have to go to a big time school to be good. But, but it's just like you get, you get sucked in with the recruiting visits with the, you know, the, the facilities and the gear and the free, all this and that. And, you know, it's important, but you can work hard anywhere you go. I mean, I, I, I mean, I played division two baseball. It wasn't mm. like I was some superstar athlete, but like I could have gone to little D1 schools. I could have done some things, but I chose Bloomsburg. Did I turn pro? No. Did I work that hard in college? No. So that's why if you, you can work hard anywhere. But Wentz is a little different, though, because he was hurt, and he wasn't a quarterback until his senior year, so that's why no schools really looked at him. And thank God, (laughs) because he's ours now. Um, All right. All right, moving on to some from the Twitter account. Again, if you don't follow me on Twitter, but you listen to this podcast, you can always send your counterpoint questions to counterpointmailbag at gmail.com. Now, to the ones from Twitter. Uh, counterpoint question, would this team be 10-1 if Hard Knocks had decided to film the Eagles instead of the Bucks? The answer is yes, they would be I don't believe in the Hard Knocks curse I only believe that it hypes up bad teams, when you watch Hard Knocks, you convince yourself that team's a a low-key Super Bowl threat and Jameis Winston is a dark horse for MVP that was a chatter preseason had the Eagles been on Hard Knocks Carson Wentz would have had more MVP chatter. So I think I don't I think it would still be 10 and 1. I just think there would be more buzz about the Eagles season. With that being said, I also don't want to risk it and I hope the Eagles are never on hard knocks. Although it could be a year after winning a Super Bowl. Like as long as I have a Super Bowl locked up, we can be on hard knocks. But also like do you really want the Eagles on hard knocks? I mean it'd be cool, but like yeah, is, is Wentz really bringing much. Although he is swagger Wentz now, so maybe they would. Um, but let me get that Super Bowl first before you go with your hard knocks bullshit, HBO. <laughs> this one's from, oh, the first question was from Ethan Adams. Thank you, Ethan. Uh, the second one's from James Westfall, who is a big superstitious guy like myself. By the way, the spot, I, the spot combined with the Phillies sweatshirt, combined with the we're going to lose text, is, the point differential I think is up to 150 to like 40 I like guess I think the Eagles are plus ninety in that in that situation it's insane. I'm starting to get a little scared for myself that I can never leave that spot ever uh, but whatever we're good so James James has not him and his son both wear matching Jordan Hicks jerseys haven't washed it since week two and he better not be watching that thing James because I'll know the trust tree always knows um if the birds win the Super Bowl. Would you rather be in Philly for the win or at the game? I booked a hotel in Philly for the night of and the week after the big game. I'm not missing that riot or parade. Great question, James. And there's only one correct answer, and it is here. Being in the Super Bowl in Minneapolis, I cannot say Minneapolis, whatever. Being there with a bunch of corporate hacks or being here with 3 million of your closest friends is way cooler than being at the Super Bowl. And it gives you some insurance in case they do lose. Being in Minnesota, if the Eagles lose, sounds about like the worst situation I could ever find myself in ever because I'd probably be drinking and I'd be angry. I've never been in a fight, but I think that that night might turn into one, at least the opportunity. Here, we'd all just be sobbing in the streets. There'd be no fighting. There'd be a bunch of hugging, I think. (laughs) Yeah, no. This has been a big, a big problem for me, and this is gonna be, this is gonna be, this is gonna be trust in the trust tree. Like I'm gonna be here for that game if they do make it to the Super Bowl. I'm not gonna be drinking. I'm not gonna be with my friends. Well, I mean, I'll be with my friends, James and James and John are my friends, but it's like, you know, I, I would have to wait till an hour and a half after the game to really get down on the streets. It's just like it'd be a little tough if they won the Super Bowl here. But uh, you know, I gotta, I guess I gotta, I gotta do it for all of you. So I'll take the hit. I won't have as much fun as you guys have. Although we all know the correct answer is, is watching by yourself, but um, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous for that. I'm not going to lie. Moving on from, from Ben Lyons. Will Alshon be here next year and for years to come? I firmly believe he will be. I think, I think they, they believe in him buying into the culture. I think they like him being a member of that wide receiver room. And these last four or five games, him and Wentz are really starting to get on the same page. I mean, I've said it many times. Like, Wentz has never had a guy like Alshon to throw the ball to in any part of his career development as a quarterback. Alshon's a guy that you just have to trust will catch the football. And on Sunday, he finally really did it where he just threw it to a spot and let Alshon make his move. I mean, Alshon's been consistently putting up like five catches, 50-plus yards, and a touchdown because that, that's, that's fine for me. I think he has the most red zone touchdowns in the NFL this year. Like Alshon's playing well. There's a there's a false narrative that he's not playing like a number one anymore. That's just not true. Uh the Eagles spread the ball around a lot and, and Alshon took a little while to get on a roll with Carson Wentz, but these guys are on a roll now. I fully expect to see Alshon here next year and for years to come. And um you know, I've I've learned to just not worry about the cap situation because I just I just I expect Howie to figure it out. He knows he knows how to do this. I fully trust him. it's going to be okay. And I think no matter what, we'll come out of this with Alshon and we'll go from there. And I think Alshon's going to be here for years to come. I I firmly believe that. From our friend Neil Dutton over there across the pond, who probably doesn't understand a lot of the Philly jokes I make on this, but it's all right. (laughs) Following up on last week's question, if Doug were to get shit-faced, do you think he'd do karaoke? And what would he sing? He looks like a hair metal guy. So... I took this question very seriously. Like, I take every one of your questions. D- and I, I consulted two people here at WIP, one of them being James Seltzer. So, again, if you have any problems with my answer here, my at is at Brandon Lee Gowden. <laughs> or at Brandon Gowden. Um, so if Doug gets shit-faced, first off, me and James and another person here, Ava Graham, all decided that Doug is a big, butt-heavy guy. Doug's a simple beer guy. But he also likes to to, to get a little, little heavy in there. And Doug is a Bud-heavy Budweiser guy. I call it Budweiser. I don't understand the Bud-heavy thing. I think it's ridiculous. You know the difference between Budweiser and Bud Light. Just get over it. Bud-heavy? No. We're not calling it Bud-heavy. It's Budweiser. Doug is a Budweiser guy. Oh, and Joe Camera also thinks that, that Doug's a Budweiser guy. Doug has the look of a Budweiser guy. And the song he would sing, and this is the weirdest thing ever, because I was thinking this, and the native Graham said it, Living on a prayer. Doug would sing "Living on a Prayer." He would throw the mic out, saying, "Whoa, living on a prayer." Take my hands. We'll make Doug's. A, Doug's an inclusive guy. He's a he's a, he's a co- he's a guys guy. He's a player's coach. He loves incorporating everyone into it. I will. I will for the rest of my life. I'll never forget the offensive line coming up to Jeff Stadlen in the Dallas game and saying hey, we can run the ball down the throats, just trust us, and Doug being like, yeah, that's cool, let's do it. Or the fact that Doug, that Doug lets Carson put his own plays from, from, from North Dakota, from North Dakota State. All this leads me to believe that if Doug got on the stage and started singing Living on, on Prayer, he would include everyone in that song, in that performance. And you best believe that he'd be wearing that tight watch and letting that vein, that, that wrist vein of his be popping out. Because Doug loves that wrist vein. And I love that wrist vein. And Doug would also be wearing shorts and showing off those calves of his because they are glorious calves. Although, I will say this. Doug looks like he's getting a bigger gut as the season's gone on. Doug, look at me. Trust tree to trust her of the tree. We can't be having you developing into an Andy gut. All right? Hit the weight room. Get a little cardio in. Anyway, living on a prayer after like, eight Budweiser's moving on uh, from at not my real emails, our friend out there in Portland um, is, is Kuma Gruja Hill back in the trust tree was out early for early season Gatorade bath. Uh, very true. After his kicking heroics, if not, what does he have to do further? Are you a little sad? The Eagles brought back Elliot and they didn't just go for it on every fourth down. Second, one is a very valid point going forward on every fourth down was like I felt like the Eagles were revolutionizing football (laughs) and and I felt like they're unstoppable speaking of unstoppable on fourth down uh, Carson Wentz under center uh, and QB sneaking it is like I I don't think it'll ever be stopped but now that I said that he'll be stopped in the Super Bowl and the Eagles will lose I'm just kidding bleep that out bleep that out John just kidding don't believe bleep it out Um, but now getting Jake Elliott back and, and and healthy was very important um and the fact that he that Jason Peters was on the sideline and he didn't miss a kick, uh there's no coincidence there at all. He was a little fearful of Jason Peters. I would be too. I mean, Jake Elliott's a, a wimpy looking little kicker. And I'd be pretty terrified of Jason Peters. Now, Kuma Gruje Hill. Now we have a, a very topsy turvy uh relationship with Kuma. Um I think his 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 feet are in the water of the trust tree. I can't get over the Gatorade bath. I just can't do it. I can't get over the Gatorade bath. He jeopardized the season. No matter what happens, he jeopardized the season. So right now, his toes are, are, are he's teetering on the edge of being in the trust tree. Now, the way you can get back into the trust tree is Gatorade bathing after the Eagles win the, win the NFC Championship game when it's appropriate. That's an appropriate time for Gatorade bath. That's when I will fully forgive him because, listen, he jeopardized the season everything I've learned through the years of studying sports is you don't premature Gatorade bath. You don't have a premature explosion of a Gatorade bath as Doug was talking about. So no, he's, he's not back in the trust tree yet but he's teetering on the line because of what he did in Dallas and how awesome that was. <laughs> Let's get to what's the line saying. Um, the line's been fluctuating. I loved when it came out at, at plus five and a half because I thought it, I thought that is Vegas trying to make the line super big just so that Uh, so that a lot of people will take the Seahawks. And I love when they try to do this because I like when a lot of money is getting thrown on the Seahawks. They're trying to get people to take the Seahawks. And early, the line dropped down to three pretty quickly, which means a lot of money came back on the Seahawks. But now it's evened out. It's up to five. And I think that's good. And let's just talk about the Seahawks for a second. The Seahawks have lost at home to the Washington Redskins and the Atlanta Falcons. The Eagles should win this fucking football game. I want to beat that team so bad. I want to go into Seattle. I want Wentz to shut that whole stadium up and prove to the NFL that the Eagles are legit. And I think five is, I love that it's five because I think they're trying to get people to bet on the Seahawks because because the Eagles have blowing been blowing so many teams out. I think the Eagles will go into Seattle on Sunday and win. I'm riding a hot streak here on What's the Lion Saying? The line is telling me that the Eagles are going to win on Sunday, because they're trying to find a way for a team to, or for people to bet on Seattle, and I don't think they would, because I think the Eagles front line is going to destroy Russell Wilson. I watched the Seahawks in week whatever against the Giants, and he had people in his face the whole entire game. Now that's the Giants front. This is the Eagles front. This team is focused. They want to prove to everyone that they've played teams and they're they can go in anywhere and win. Going into Seattle, I know they're depleted, but going into Seattle and winning puts a staple on this season. It is a sign that you are here for real. And, and, and having your rookie quarterback, not rookie quarterback, your young quarterback going into a place like Seattle and finding a way to win, I think is so important for the eventual Super Bowl run this team is going to go on. Win in Seattle this week, they are not nearly as terrifying as they were at, at preseason. Go to Seattle and beat that team. It's a it's a business trip. You have to win that game for, for the rest of the national media to be fully in on you as a Super Bowl-contending team. You can't lose to a depleted Seattle team at home. You just cannot do it. And I think this line is telling me that they're going to do it. The Eagles are going to do it. They're going to win in Seattle. A statement win. And it's all going to be glorious. I look forward to talking to you next week. That's going to do it for the Counterpoint Podcast. We'll be back... Next week, after another Eagles victory, calling it now, the Eagles win by 10. We'll see
0: you.
1: This is what, your second record, and it's the song you wrote.